Well, we have been doing a course in the last three weeks. I've been doing all the preaching myself. We have a great preaching team here, but I just wanted to do this one at the beginning of the year, and it's basically on the subject of purpose. And two weeks ago, we we talked about, you know, my purpose. What is my purpose? Do you have a life's purpose? Or are you just making it up as you go along? Is your life wholly reactive, just reacting to stuff that comes at you? Or is there a sense of purpose in your life? Uh, I hope that for many of you, that's where you're at. But uh, then we went on to our purpose, this faith community, the church's purpose, and uh, spent some time thinking about that. In all of these things, what I was hoping to do was not to, you know, lay it all out before you like some huge, great sort of banquet of information, but, but what I really wanted to do was hopefully intrigue you and you know, provoke you a little bit to do some homework and some hard work yourself about your purpose and the church's purpose. Uh, and today, similarly, as much as anything, because I've only got 20 minutes, which is unheard of for me, but, uh, but as much as anything, I, I want to intrigue you. I, I want to suggest something. I want to put an, perhaps a new thought about God and his purpose, because today we're talking about his purpose. And I'm actually going to begin by giving you the end. I'm going to give you the punchline of the joke now. That, with a joke, that rarely works, and it may not work this morning. But I want to give you the punchline now, and then unpack it a little bit. Hopefully, you'll have some sort of sense of where I'm going by the end. So first of all, then, let me read you something from the last part of the Bible. It's from a, a letter, actually, from a, a church father, a founding father to a new and young church that are trying to work it all out. I guess, to be honest with you, that's many like many of us here. Very few of us here have got church backgrounds. I haven't got one. We, we are coming to Christ and Christianity with fresh views and fresh eyes and a, a fresh take on it all. And, and so this young church is struggling to sort of get a bit of a handle on it. So I'm going to read you what Paul says. I hope that it's not too convoluted, but let me just see what this guy says about God's purpose, and then we'll go from there. So Paul says, you know, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the, high, the righteousness of God. I just want to apologize there. I, I see we've thrown up the, the today's new international version, and I'm actually using the new international version, so there might have just been a few tweaks on the vocabulary there. But, but the key word that keeps coming up in this little passage is, reconciliation be reconciled and it says here that God's purpose was reconciling the world to himself now what does that word reconciliation mean you know if we talk of reconciliation we think of two enemies or two parties that have been at odds or enmity or at even war with one another there's been friction there's been tension There's been things said and things hard to unsay. There's been animosity. 
There's been argument. There's been all sorts of history and not much of it good. But then what happens is, we hope at some point or other, there is a time when the parties, as it were, come together and work towards reconciliation. And so Paul's take on God's work in this passage is that he is at work reconciling, not just you and me and our our busy little lives, but God is at work reconciling the world, everything in it, all that is seen and unseen. He's at work reconciling the world to himself, and all this is through Christ. Now, unfortunately, I haven't got time to unpack all of that. You know, if you know what I'm talking about, great, God bless you. If you don't, get yourself along to an alpha course and, you know, chew it, chew it a bit. You know, I'm trying to intrigue and provoke you, as I said. But essentially what God has done in Christ, who we believe is God and, and his, his son, what God did was that he took the initiative, even though he was the offended party, he didn't pout, fold his arm and go off in a, you know, have a hissy fit. What he did was, he, in his son Jesus, went to the cross, died an appalling death upon that cross, and in doing so, substituted himself for his enemies. And this is tough language, this. But the Bible says, when we are not in Christ, whether we mean it or not, we are God's enemies. So he took the initiative and substituted himself for his enemy, dying as our substitute on the cross in order that God may reconcile and be reconciled to the world. That is an astounding, thought-provoking concept. Uh, And I would humbly put it to you, if you've never quite thought of it in those light, this is worthy of of you spending a little bit of your valuable time giving this a second thought. Now, now let me just unpack the problem a little bit more. The problem actually stems from, from the beginning. In the beginning. What happened in the beginning? Well, you know, in the beginning, there's many myths and legends and, and versions on what, the, what happened in the beginning. Uh, and many of you will know the Christian story, which we, of course, have inherited from the Jewish tradition. Uh, essentially, you know, Adam and Eve ate of the apple, etc., etc. Whatever you think of that, I, I, don't, I want you to push past the sort of, you know, they were just getting one a day, you know, whatever it was, one of their five a day. I want you to push past that because essentially what was happening there was that God had created a wonderful world order in which they were actually the, you know, the, the, the pinnacle of it. But God has said, you know, the way this works is that I'm God and you're my created sons and daughters and I love you. The only thing that that is forbidden to you is that you should become like God, make yourself God. And essentially they disobeyed him. They said, well, God, thank you very much. It's very kind of you. We we appreciate your thoughts and sentiments, but actually we know best for ourselves. They, They actually knew best. And, and what happened was when they took that decision when they rebelled, took that first step of rebellion against God, if you like, toppled God from his throne, if such a thing were possible, it didn't actually happen like that, but they toppled God from his throne and clambered up onto that throne, suddenly all hell broke loose. 
Fliss and I were watching a, an old DVD last night. Some of you may have even seen it. It's called... I was going to show you a clip, actually, of the film, but there are a lot of kids in here this morning, and there's a scary bit. I didn't want to freak you all out, so I'll tell you what happens. But in this film, Indiana Jones and the, 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 the Raiders of the Lost Ark... Anybody remember that movie? Oh, gosh. <laughs> right. Okay, great fun. We enjoyed it. We watched it last night. But right at the beginning of that, Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, the hero, he comes into this temple and he's after this golden object. And he creeps in and there's lots of adventures and, 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 and accidents and incidents on the way. Finally, he takes the object, heaves a sigh of relief, and at that point there is this ominous rumbling sound. And many of you remember what happens then. He actually has to run from his lo- for his life because he's just taken this golden object But actually what happens, all hell breaks loose. This simple act of taking this object releases a whole catastrophic chain of events which nearly takes his life. There are poison darts flying in and a great big stone comes rolling down after him and he falls into a snake pit and clambers out again. He barely escapes with his life. Had he known that that was going to be the consequence of that simple act He may have thought twice. Had Adam and Eve, the first man, the first woman, known what the consequences, the hell that would have been released upon this world, not just in their own life, but had they known the consequences of that simple act of thanks but no thanks, we'll take it from here, God. Nice job, leave it to us. They may have thought twice. Let me just press this point a little bit more, just out of interest. I see a number of cars were blocking entrances. I hope we've moved them. But, but how many of you have got a diesel car or have ever owned a diesel car? Yeah, quite a few of you. I've had one, and a little bit sluggish, at least mine was, but very economical, very reliable. And, and, and there's a lot one can say about diesel engines. They're very robust and all the rest of it. But how many of you know this, that... A diesel engine has a limiter on it. Just let me, just let me see. You probably just get in and drive it. You know, maybe uh, four or five of you. There is a thing on an, a diesel engine, and every single diesel engine the world over has this thing called a lim- limiter. It is a little gizmo that stops the engine self-destructing. Now, there's a happy thought, isn't there? If you don't have the limiter, it is a feature of diesel engines that they begin to pick up speed. And they get a bit faster. And they get a bit faster. And they get a bit faster. And they're faster and faster and faster. And there's no limit to the speed that they take until eventually the engine self-destructs and you've got pistons blowing through your, your bonnet. That's a fun thing on the school run, isn't it? Every diesel engine the world over has to have this limiter. It's the order of diesel. Without it, it falls apart. The creation of which we are a part has to have the creator in the very center of our universe. Otherwise, it doesn't happen immediately, but things begin to pick up and fall apart. Last week I made reference to Jesus' own teaching where he said, the old order is coming to an end. The old age is in its death throes. You will hear rumors of wars. Nation will rise up against nation. There will be famines. There will be terrible earthquakes. But know this, children. When you see these things happening, it is just the death throes of the old order 
and the birth pangs of the new kingdom. Now there's a thought. There's a thought. So anyway, in the midst of all this, the good news is that God has already mounted his rescue mission. And Jesus, at the end of the Bible, at the end of the book, comes out with this wonderful statement. He says, Behold, I make all things new. It's every time I read that little phrase in the book of Revelation, I think it's Revelation 21 something, it sends a chill down my spine. Behold, I make all things new. And what the church of Jesus Christ is about, doesn't matter what the sort of banner across the front, whether it's a cathedral or a a little sort of tin hut Pentecostal place down by the railway track, what we're all about is being ambassadors for Christ, part of his rescue mission, literally pulling people from darkness into light, rescuing from, from death and destruction, Say, come up here to Christ, be in Christ, with Christ, save yourself because he has saved you. It's as if we're walking along the beach one day and we see someone drowning, God forbid. You run to the top of the beach and thank God there's a, there's a ring, a life ring. You run down to the, the surf, it's got a rope on it. You cast the ring out into the water. You say, there, grab it, grab it, grab it. It's right there, it's four feet away. If only they would grab it. Every, they can be saved. It's your potential, it's my potential. We can now be saved from the destruction that's literally breaking out around us. But will the man reach out and grab that ring? It's so frustrating. It's over there, left. It's just there. Will you or won't you? It's like a cliffhanger from a soap, isn't it? I don't know whether you do or whether you don't. Some do and some don't. There is a little sort of warning I just wanted to throw in here, actually, in that, that once we've come into the church, sometimes the old order wants to reimpose itself. And instead of the church being about Jesus and about his mission and his message, sometimes we want to bring a bit of the old life in and we begin to turn it and and twist it. And the church becomes inward looking. It becomes introvert. It becomes concerned with its own affairs. And to be honest with you, my story is that that very thing kept me from church for the first 15 years of my life. I actually had a, a, at 11 I became a Christian through a history master's story. But then I went into church and it so did me in, did my head in. It wasn't until I was in my mid-twenties that I came back to Christ. Just like maybe some of these people are. Because I couldn't hack church. Jesus was, I found him fascinating, intriguing. Now I'm using that word again. But I found church difficult Sometimes church is, is all about me and it's not about him. In fact, I've got a little film clip. Let me just show you this. It'll probably say it as well as I can. Let's run that Me Church film clip. Thank you, James. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's (laughs) screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. 
All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. (laughs) Me Church, where it's all about you. Okay, okay, before I get any emails, that, that, I think that's called irony, right? Uh, it's a joke. It's not what we're actually proposing. But, you know, some church, talking to the members, it's all about them. I can remember going, visiting a church and being told I was sat in the wrong seat because that was so-and-so's seat. And I had to move because that was, I was a visitor, but I was in the wrong seat. How did I know? But I caused offense before it even started the service, you know? I want to say all of you, and and, and it's a hard thing to back up, and sometimes we fail too, but I want to say to you, please, God, please help me to just say this with with some energy and power. I want to say to you guys, welcome home. And it's our heart and our prayer that you'll find a home here where we're learning to be the church, his church. And actually, it's good. Actually, having him back on the very throne in the center of your life is, is good. It feels right. Still got lots of questions, still working it out. Some days don't go as well as others. But, but when he is in the center of my life and our life and our community, things begin to hang right. They begin to hang right. So anyway, his purpose then, his purpose, it's all about him reconciling the world to himself. It's not about you. Sometimes you hear some preachers and they preach about Jesus and it's all about, it, it, again, it becomes all about me. It's all about, you know, it's about how can, can I, what can I get from God? What do I get out of this deal? I'm not even going to do that. I'm just going to say God is about his own business, reconciling the world to himself through his son Jesus. And the wonderful thing is, As we approach him, yes, with a certain amount of fear and trepidation and insecurity and not feeling good about ourselves and all of those things, we find that he has such a huge heart that he embraces us and says, as I just did, welcome home, welcome home. So finally then, what's all this about? Well, I, I, I really can't say it any better than the guys have said it up here, but, but you know what? That little reading I started with, you know, 2 Corinthians five seventeen to 20. Maybe you can just throw that back up again. In the midst of it, buried in the midst of it, it says, you know, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You get it? You see, we were born into an old order, a decaying, a, dis- a, a destructive order where man is against man and woman against woman and creation is groaning and falling apart too. But there it is. If anyone is in Christ... When you turn to Jesus, when you turn to Christ and begin this life-changing adventure, something happens. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And as we whoop and holler and cheer and clap as each and every one of these people get baptized here, they are going down into the water. It's as if they're drowning. They're dying. They're dying to the old life. And they're rising up in the new world order with Christ at its center, with Christ on the throne, with Christ the Savior, that cross-dying, resurrection-giving leader at the very center of our universe. And we join. We sign up. We become part of the family. 
in all that he is bringing in and is breaking in. Amen. Let's all just stand and pray, and then we'll get on with it. (coughs) Jesus said, I make all things new. Father, we thank you for your purpose, which will take place, quite frankly, with us or without us. But the extraordinary thing is that you, Lord God, have bent down and extended a hand to us and invited us to become part of your new world order, an order where wrongs are put to right, where there is no more famine, where the the tears are wiped away. And thank you, Lord, that you call us as part of your family to take up our place in the family business, as it were, the family business, and make Christ known. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen.